Can you guys give it up for the band one more time? I cannot think of a better way to kick off the last first Sunday of the year in this building than with worship like that. It's truly amazing. Um, some of you may be wondering who I am. Um, let me introduce myself. My name is Corey McEwen, and this past summer I had the amazing opportunity to join the staff here as Genesis Metro in the role of a Fuse student pastor. And so I get the opportunity every Wednesday to minister and love on our 6th through 12th grade students. Um, so yeah, Pastor Tim is taking a little break. Um, and the first thing I would really like to do is thank him and Pastor Kerry for giving me the opportunity um, to be on this stage, to share with you um, the word that God has placed on my heart. But first, I would like to honor them a little bit because you see they had these, these surgeries that they had the minimum um, recovery time on and they jumped into an amazing sermon series called The Giver. They put on a flawless giving gala and they went through our biggest ever Christmas Eve service back to back to back to back to back where we saw over 1,500 people walk through these doors. Can we just honor them? for leading us through that. We're gonna give them a little rest because we got, we got a big mission this year because we, we got an El Dorado to go down. You know what I'm saying? Woo, it's exciting. Um, we're kicking off a new series called The Chance to Change. And as I began thinking about it, I thought about how January 1st, God, when that sun rises and that calendar flips, there's so much potential there. So many possibilities on the horizon. And then soon you look and it's, it's January 8th. And some of that potential's kind of waned. It's, it's withered a little bit. And so I thought a great way to start this series, The Chance to Change, is to really dive in to the chance to change your potential. And as I was thinking about that, I recalled a story from my childhood. So come with me on a journey back to a great era that we will call 1995 where ESPN introduced one of the greatest forms of entertainment that we call the X Games. And this young country bumpkin for the first time got to see on TV motocross on dirt tracks, skateboarders dropping into bowls, rollerbladers falling into half pipes, and the most extreme of all, the extreme scooter earth. <laughs> Lord bless their shins. But you see, in our house, the one that stood out the most were the BMX bikes, right? They had the gyro you could spin, the pegs you could do fancy tricks on. And so that Christmas, my brother received a BMX bike. And the small group of us, we rode all around town, just trying to emulate Tony Hawk, Dustin Hoffman, these guys we saw on the TV. And we would go out on our street and we would take old plywood and we would build these little ramps and if we were lucky, we'd hit them, we'd get six, eight inches in the air, and we thought we were flying. <laughs> and so we knew that what we needed to legitimize us was a ramp, but not, not the plywood on the ground ramp. We needed a real ramp. And so we begged and we pleaded, begged and pleaded all year, please, mom and dad, give us a ramp. And finally, they relented. And so my dad and my uncle built a ramp around the workshop. And around Christmas time, they finished and they called and they were like, it's ready. Grab the boys, grab your bikes, it's time. So we called up the guys and we were all riding down the street and we, we turned the corner and we see it in all of its glory, this beautiful ramp. 
But at the same time, we also had a bit of intimidation because this was a real ramp. At the end, it stood four foot tall. I was like five, six at the time. 45 degree angle down to the street. And we all stood there on our bikes, like, like a classic 80s, 90s movie, just staring at it. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is what we asked for. This is it. But we were all in that moment where you're just wondering, who's it going to be? And that day, I decided I was him. Every boy dreams of the moment that they can be the hero, that they can be Mariano Rivera coming in to shut down the night. Michael Jordan, yeah, I know, it was blasphemous to my Texas Ranger heart, but he's the best. You could be Michael Jordan with the last possession in the finals or Tony Hawk nailing the 900 for the first time. But you see, the problem was my brother got a BMX bike. <laughs> I didn't. I had a rickety 10-speed that often slipped gears as I rode. But I was committed. So I rode a little bit down the street, made that turn, one foot on the ground, one foot on the pedal, and I aligned myself to the ramp. And with everything in me, I was sucking myself up, and I was ready. So I took off as fast as I could, just getting after it. And then about two or three feet from hitting the ramp, it hit me. This is a bad decision. <laughs> and if you've ever been around a middle school boy, you know that that thought never crosses their mind. Ever. But it hit me that day. And so I let up. I almost committed. And you see, what ensued was fantastical. In fact, words can't describe it, but it's gone down in lore to the point where it has inspired many modern-day motion pictures, one of which we will share with you now. They took a, a few creative liberties with the storytelling. There was no van that we jumped over, and there definitely wasn't a receiving ramp. Um, but you see, what actually happened is, is when I let up, that combined with losing all that force going up the 45-degree angle, instead of propelling into the potential of becoming a, an extreme game athlete, the front wheel of my 10-speed just went straight down. But the bike was okay because my face, my face broke the fall. In fact, uh, from the bridge of my nose all the way to the tip, the skin was ripped off. Um, and it was Christmas time, mind you. And, and I surrounded myself with the greatest of friends who decided that from henceforth and forevermore, I would be called Ruru, which is a shortened version of Rudolph. 
And just to rub it in even more, every once in a while, they'd come in and be like, you got in the sleigh tonight? <sighs> very, very valuable lesson that day. That day I learned that if you almost commit, you're almost always destined to crash. And I thought, that, I thought about that and how it applies to my walk with Jesus. And how so many times he puts an opportunity right in front of me. And I almost commit. And I almost always come up short of realizing the fullness of that potential. And I wonder if you've been there. Maybe 2022, God gave you some opportunities for amazing things. But when it came time, you, you almost committed. And because of that almost commitment, you missed out on something great. You see, today we're going to explore a story from the Old Testament about a king who had some battles on the horizon, some opportunities for victory, and he was promised it all, complete victory. But when it came time for him to put forth the effort, he almost committed, and he came up just short. So if you will, look with me. We're going to start in 2 Kings 13. And so what has happened is we have a king named Jehoash. And he, he kind of gets the short end of the stick because his father did not walk with God, which is a whole other sermon. And so what happens is he inherits a kingdom that is lacking in resources. His, his chariots and horsemen are few. But he knows about a prophet. The prophets in those days stood as the voice and the power of God. And he heard about this prophet named Elisha who had seen horses and chariots that no man could see. And because he knows that there are battles on the horizon, he goes and seeks his favor, seeks instruction. What should I do? And so we're going to pick up when the prophet gives him instruction. In verse 15, Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And so the king did. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when the king had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And so as we look at this scripture and the chance to change our potential, we try to draw out how that applies to our life. And the first thing we have to do is we we have to make sure we're aligning ourselves with the opportunities God has for us. And it begs the question, what does it take to aim the arrow? What does it take to aim the arrow? The answer is not mind-boggling. It's simple. It's right there. Because the prophet, all he did was give him a simple set of instructions. He said, get a bow and arrow, and so Elisha does. He says, Put, grab it, take it in your hands. He does. And as he does that, Elisha comes close, says, draw it back, open the window, and shoot. Simple instructions, right? But in the middle of those instructions, we see this beautiful picture painting where Elisha, though he was sick with the illness that would eventually kill him, he got up out of bed. And in the middle of instructions, he put his hands around him and he guided him through the process. And I thought, what a beautiful picture. Because it reminds me as a father of the times where I have helped my children learn how to do things, how to ride a bike or hit a baseball or the one that I love the most is to help them fish. Because you see, when you do these things, you've got to get down on their level. 
You've got to get close to their ears where they can hear the wisdom that you're going to impart to them. You have to wrap your arms around them and get them to relent to your guidance. Show them where their hands go on the pole, how to put their thumb on the caster, how to get into the cadence of the cast. You have to show them how to go through the process. And any parent in here who has done this is, has realized that once they get that, there is no joy greater than when they can do it on their own, when they can ride that bike, when they can hit the ball, when they can pop that line, catch that fish. And that's exactly what's happening in the scriptures here. Elisha is coming alongside the king and he's placing his arms around him. He's like, I'm giving you these instructions, but I'm guiding you as well. You're not doing this alone. So, with that being said, with it being 2023, I thought, wow, you know what? This same picture is true for us today. God is still using his word to give us instructions. He's using his word to give us guidance, his church to guide us, his spirit to guide us. How well are we doing with that? So we're going to take a little inventory. We're going to look at three instructions from the scriptures. And let's, let's be evaluative in this process to see where we might stand. So the first verse that we're going to look at is James 4, 7. And it says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we assess that? Well, as you can tell by these massive guns, when I think of resistance, I think of weight training. Hitting the gym, right? I think of a bench press. You put the weights up and gravity is actively pulling them down, right? And so what, what the scripture is saying is that there is a force that is coming against you. And if you are not actively resisting it, it will overtake you. It will come down on you. Where are you standing in this set of instructions? Are you resisting the weight or is it overpowering you? Are you giving into the guidance? What does the guidance look like in something like this? I think if you want some guidance for this, go to the gospel. We have the life of Jesus right there and he went through this very situation and he can come alongside us in this and impart his wisdom to us because he went out into the desert. He was tempted face to face with Satan and how did he resist? The word of God. Every temptation threw at him, Jesus rebuked it with scripture. That's the guidance you need. Just resist the devil just the way God did. Let's look at another one. What about Galatians 5.16? It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I looked, looked it up. Top three resolutions that are made each year, 2023, no exception. Work out more, eat healthy, lose weight. But you see, some of you might have the same problem. When I leave here, I've got to go up Frisco Street and go down El Dorado. And man, there's like Sonic and Taco Bell and Whataburger. And then you get across the DNT and there's the Lord's Chicken. <laughs> I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to drive by the Spirit. But there's too many drive throughs for me to pop into. 
But what are we to do? We're to yield to what God wants, not what our bodies want. We're to follow his lead, not our longings. We're to deny the eyes of the flesh and follow the eyes of our hearts that have been transformed by him. And what about the guidance there? Well, it's written into it. I walk by the Spirit. Jesus told us at the end of the Gospels that his Father would give us a helper, an advocate, who would teach us how. How we can drive through El Dorado in the Spirit and avoid those drive throughs so that we can hit those resolutions, so that we can be aligned with his promises, his potential to give him our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Last one. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15.58. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. How secure is your stance? Are you fixed to a firm foundation? Because I pray that none of you have to go through these seasons, but my experience tells me that it is inevitable that each of us will go through some of them. Because what happens when you find yourself in a season of sickness, tossing on those seas? Will you be tethered to something or will you be moved about? What about the season of loss and grief? What are you fixed to? Will you be moved by the sea of that season? Or what about loneliness? Do you have an anchor that can see you through all of those throws? We are called to stand firm and we are given guidance. I think guidance in this situation can look like all the saints and sinners sitting in here with the collective experience and wisdom. Because when I look out, I see stories of people who have, who have been tossed about on those seas of loss and sickness, but they remained rooted in the goodness of God. And if you are going through one of those seasons, all it takes is you reaching out and those people would come by, take you by the hand, walk you through that process because they've been there before and they know how to remain faithful to God. So where are you at in these instructions and these guidance? What does it take to aim? It's very simple. We follow instructions and we receive the guidance, but how, how are you aiming? When it comes to your marriage, are you aligning with the instructions and the guidance of God? In your household, raising your kids, is it on target? Because you see, if you can evaluate those things and you feel like there is something off, then we have to be honest with ourselves and realize that, that the instructions are not the problem. We've been set up for success and there's so much potential in the promise, but if something's awry, it's something that's inside of us. And it's revealed in the next portion of our story when we go to verse 18. You see, Elisha continues to give instructions and says, then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. 
And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then he would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And so if the first part of this story begs the question, what does it take to aim? The next part begs the question, what does it take to hit the target? Because we can line it up and we can take the instruction and the guidance, but then the responsibility shifts to us where we have to release. And we see this in the story. And there's a little bit of situational irony here because the king wants a victory, but his resources have been depleted. The prophet says you will have victory, but the thing that you think you're gonna gain victory with, the weapon that you think you're gonna wield, strike the ground, shatter it. Because it is not the weapon that you wield that will get you the victory, that'll get you to the opportunities. It is not the power inside of you, it's the power inside the promise that God has for you and your life that that victory will come through. But there's a connection that's revealed with the potential for the victory for Joash and the actual outcome. You see, he's told to strike the arrows to obtain complete victory. He strikes three and he stops. And because he only strikes three, he misses out on the fullness of the victory. But it made me think about our lives and the arrows that we're willing to strike. Because I think when we come, come to Jesus, we know what we have to do. Sunday mornings, God, I can commit. I can strike the ground. And as a believer, I know that I need to be attached to the word. So I'm going to download that Bible app. I'm going to start doing devotions. I can give you that. Strike the ground. And you know the next time they bring that water tank out, I'm going to put that Jesus jersey on. I'm going to get baptized. I can give that to you, God. Strike the ground. But then Joash stops. And it makes me wonder about how that's reflected in our lives. Because I think oftentimes if we did an assessment right now, you're looking at a quiver where you've got a lot of almost arrows. You should have released them, but they're sitting there. You know, I almost, almost started serving up at church, but they wanted a whole other hour. Cuts into my me time. Ethan has select ball practice. Madison has volleyball practice. The Cowboys come on at 12. <laughs> almost started serving. I almost joined a life group, but uh, you see, I have this thing with germs, and I can't really trust what other people's kitchens look like. It's kind of strange going into new people's houses. I know I probably should, but uh, maybe next year. You know, I almost let go of that past pain. And I say that every year, and I find that I've been saying that for a decade now. Almost let it go. Gave it to God. 
almost. But I think I'll keep punishing my present so don't have to deal with it. There's so many reasons for our almost arrows. You know, that ramp can be really intimidating when you start looking at it. There are so many obstacles that seem so hard for us to overcome. Maybe we know we're supposed to say something to this person, but in today's climate, the rhetoric is so combative and we just don't want to offend anybody. Almost. Or maybe if we keep talking about Jesus to these people, they'll start making fun of us or talking behind our back or call us Ruru. There's so many reasons for the almost arrows. But I wonder, how often are we opting out of a God-sized opportunity because we choose to cling to these things that bring us a false sense of security? How often have you missed out on something amazing because you couldn't let go, you couldn't release? You see, if, if there's anything you can take from my, my story of the ramp, where I was two or three feet away from propelling myself into becoming a famous X game athlete, or the story of Joash where he was two or three arrows away from a complete victory, but he fell short because he almost committed. It's this, it's that when those opportunities arrive, there's only one way to approach it and that is exhaust every effort to fire every arrow to not hold back. Because you see, in this life, there are no trial runs. There are no do-overs. And if you end up in eternity with a quiver full of arrows, they're going to ask you, what did you expect to use those here for? An arrow is not meant to be stored as a trophy on a shelf. It is meant to be a symbol of the resources you've been entrusted by God. That at the moment he asks you to release it, you let it go in obedience. But how do you get there? How do we get to where we can let everything go? It's actually hidden in this story. You see, when he stops striking, the prophet gets mad. Oh, he gets angry. Like, why did he get angry? That's such a startling reaction. But his anger is inside his origin story. You see, when Elisha was called, he was out in the field, plowing behind some oxen. And Elijah came and called him to something more. And when he looked out, he saw the possibility. And it was an opportunity that he couldn't let down. And so in a symbolic gesture, he took those oxen and slayed them. And the very plow that he was using when Elijah found him, he chopped it up and he burned it as a sacrifice to show that there is no turning back once we've headed towards that opportunity that God has given us. You want to know how to get rid of all your arrows? You adopt a burn the plow mentality where you can't go back to the things that you're trying to hold on to, but you step in to what God has for you. So church, this last section, I just want to challenge you. We have a God-sized opportunity ahead of us this year in the form of 3330 El Dorado.
It is an opportunity that our leaders have been walking towards for 20 years. They've taken instruction, they've received guidance, and they have given every arrow. And we will go there. But if we want to see the fullness of what God has in store there, it's going to take all of us exhausting every one of our arrows. And I cannot leave this stage with this quiver full. Each of these arrows has a name. And I wonder if in 2022 you held on to some of these. But I challenge you in 2023, the ones that you need to release, release them. Let's start with the arrow of the invite. You say, Corey, man, I've invited this person 999 times. In this church, we believe they're worth the 1,000th time. Strike the ground. Well, what about the arrow of prayer? Man, I'm not talking about putting it on Facebook that you're praying for somebody or group me. I'm talking about legitimately doing it to get on your knees and intercede for somebody who really needs it. Take the time, strike the ground. And if I can encourage you with those two things, we challenged our student ministry with these two because we have so many students who come on Wednesday nights whose parents don't attend regularly on Sunday. And because our students chose to strike the ground with the invitation and strike the ground with prayer, we saw 15 parents show up here on Christmas Eve service for the first time. It works. But can I point out that those students get it? They're bought in. And what we see from their efforts is going to show at 3330 Eldorado, and we're going to need you. What about the arrow of committing to community? Listen, I've already said it. Life's groups are a little strange. But there's going to come a time when you're going to find yourself on a dark, dark night, and it seems like all hope is lost, and you are going to need other people. There's also going to be other times when you need to be that other person to somebody else. Maybe you didn't do it in 2022. Strike the ground in 2023. What about the arrow of worship? Listen, guy, I grew up Southern Baptist. I mean, Southern Baptist. That back row, sacred. <laughs> and when I stepped foot in this building, that worship, it offended me because I, I had never seen anything like it. I'd never felt the freedom to lift my hands. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you've been holding back because you grew up in that kind of church. And every time we engage in the act of worship, we get a practice from for what eternity is going to be like. Don't waste the practice. Don't waste it. You've got another chance today. I challenge you. Strike the ground. And if you don't know how to do it, next week, sit next to one of the crazy people that does it real loud. <laughs> because you know what I can guarantee you? They're not doing it for themselves. They're trying to break those chains that are holding you back. Come on. What about the arrow of generosity? You see, we've all got time, we've got talents, and we've got treasures that we can give to God. And I love a good spreadsheet, 
If we started looking at your life and the, the time that you're committing and the talents you're giving and the treasures you're releasing, where does God line up in that? There's still work to be done. Let 2023 be the year that you strike the ground with your generosity because you can save it, you can give it to your kids, you can store that generational wealth, but I promise you, if you could give them generational generosity, it'd be a heritage they will never forget. But the era of serving, we've got a parking lot, we've got perks, we've got babies downstairs, and we've got some kiddos upstairs. And if you are real brave, if you're real brave, Wednesday night, middle school and high schoolers, I told you these kids, these kids are bought in. And when we get to that building, we're going to need you to step up and strike the ground, start serving. Or the arrow of life change. Ladies, every October, one weekend, two days off. There's a sisterhood that will support you. Men, this year, April 27th through 29th, I found every excuse I could to avoid that weekend because it's a little strange, a bunch of dudes just going, you know. But I promise you, if it's something you've been putting off, you will forever be changed by the bonds formed in that brotherhood. If 2022 was a year you put it off, let 2023 be the year you strike the ground. What about the arrow of the next generation? You see, this summer, we had 18 kids make a decision <laughs> at kids' camp. When we hosted Extreme Camp here, we had 70 kids make a decision to follow Jesus or rededicate their life. And at Fuse Camp, we had 82 kids make a decision on the shores of Lake Lebon. I choked up a little bit because those numbers are great, but when one of those numbers is your own, Sorry, she's sitting here on the front row. And I would love to tell you that it's everything my wife and I did. Now, we're trying hard, but it wasn't just us. It was everyone who stroked the arrow to the ground that said the next generation is worth it. Everyone who's poured into her along with the power of the word, they got it to where she was one of all those numbers to say yes to Jesus. The next generation is worth it. Or what about the arrow of the 107? That's a story that lives and will forever live in the lore of Genesis Metro. You see, if you go outside of those walls, there's a remembrance sign. But there's one piece missing. And initially they thought it was a mistake, but that mistake has become a mission of this church. The missing piece represents the missing person in the seat next to you. The one who should be here. There's someone in your life that you know, you know that's them. They are your 107. 
And maybe 2022, you put it off and you avoided that opportunity to pour in him. Let 2023 be the year where you strike the ground. For all the 107s that will never know the inside of this worship center, because they're waiting for us at 3330 El Dorado. And lastly, the arrow that represents everything. That when we get to this point, when we understand the magnitude of that opportunity, we realize that, that we would give anything for the next one, our lives, for their lives. And we take that arrow and we strike the ground so that every week, every Sunday and Wednesday, we strike our arrows until God says it's finished so that we can tell the story of a God that loved us so much that 2,000 years ago he saw an opportunity to save each and every one of us. He gave us everything when he gave us his son who followed instructions and guidance and chose the cross for our salvation. And we will strike all our arrows to tell you of the good news. Twenty twenty three, we have the chance to change. What arrows are you holding on to? What arrows do you need to release? Twenty twenty two might have been the year where you almost committed, but let's make twenty twenty three the year where your commitment is all in. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for that opportunity to share your word. God, I pray that that as we look on the horizons of Genesis Metro and we see the opportunity that you have given us on the El Dorado, that we realize that the fullness of what we can see is tied to our willingness to obey you. That all the resources you've given us, the arrows that you filled our quiver up with, that they're all yours. Though we might try to cling to them and keep them, that they are yours. And when you ask for them, we have, we have to let it go. I pray for everyone in here that 2023 would be the year that they fire every arrow for you, God that they could step in to all of that potential. And then we see you do amazing things at 3330 El Dorado. We ask all this in Jesus' name. We guys stand and worship.